Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hayward's now guarded by Jones. He drives with the right hand into the defense, hangs in the air, double clutches off the glass and in. Gordon Hayward. It's locked on Jazz for the 13th of July. Could the Jazz really be second in the West? I have to say no. We'll talk about that, plus the new Hack-A-Shack rules are out and two free agent signings that I just don't really get. That's what's coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz. It's all part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Thanks very much for tuning in. Today's program is brought to you by Devin Cash. Devin Cash, Equity Real Estate, giving you the opportunity to win two free jazz season tickets anytime that you buy or sell your home with Devin. Find out more upcoming on the show, plus call Devin at 801 759 1495. A bunch of Stuff on the Lockdown Podcast Network, Lockdown Clippers with DJ Foster, who's really funny, uh, talks about hack a shack, hack a whack, uh, hack is whack, as he t- titles the episode. And Lockdown Thunder's Fred Katz does an interesting piece on what the NBA should do about the All Star game in Charlotte in 2017. Lockdown Celtics has a nice piece on Brad Stevens talking about Horford and Durant. So those three are all pretty good. If you did not listen to yesterday's edition of Locked on Jazz, I would suggest it. Uh, I think the Rudy Gobert contract situation will be the number one issue for the Jazz here upcoming, and I really tried to explain to you the best I could, somewhat average uh, Lee on my end, uh, what was important about that, why, what you needed to know, uh, and, and frankly, why I think it's very, very unlikely that any deal gets done this year on Gobert. Uh, just that fact that the discrepancy between the cap hold and what he would sign for is the largest, uh, from my research, of any in the history of the NBA. Uh, so that's yesterday's episode of Locked on Jazz, probably worth uh, getting done along the way. I got to share, I you know, every now and then you have funky dreams and Stuff like that. I literally had a dream that I couldn't get the fake drum roll to stop. <laughs> like, I don't know what the dream was, but the minute I hit the drum roll today, I, I suddenly remembered that uh, I had this dream that, like, I would be doing the fake drum roll that's so terrible that we do on every show and that I couldn't get it to stop. Which is kind of funny. At least I thought it was funny. <laughs> Uh, you can uh, give the show five stars and a review on iTunes. Thanks for subscribing. That's also always available on Audio Boom or the RSS feed on any of your Android devices. Thanks very much uh, for tuning in. We open each and every show with pins across the world. And uh, all you have to do is email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. I'm, I'm digging back deep through 
um, some of our old pins across the world that never got read. Uh, so uh, stick with it. This was sent in on January 6th. Um, this is from Jared Labram. I sent it to you before, but maybe you didn't get it, or maybe I got a lot. Uh, but I appreciate you helping me out and sending it again, Jared. I'm from Vernal, Utah. I grew up going to jazz games with my dad, and I was really young. I remember getting on the jumbo screen as well. I listened to you since you were on the radio. I was excited when you got the jazz job. I love Stockton. He became my favorite player when he made the shot going to the finals. I skipped my little brother's Little League game so I could watch it. Thank goodness we have DVR now. That is true, Jared, but I'd have to say I do not think that that would be a game we would DVR. In fact, now we would just cancel the late games. Uh, I figured your stories for pins across the world, so here's a good one. I was in eighth grade. My dad got tickets to see the Jazz versus the Spurs. We drove from Vernal on a school night. I think it was an excuse for my parents to buy a new fridge because we went to RC Willie. When we were at the store, a salesman saw my brother and I in our Stockton jerseys. He told us he knew Brian Russell, and if we could convince our parents to buy a fridge, he could get us to meet him after the game. Well, my parents bought a fridge, and sure enough, Jazz won, and we were able to get in the back and wait for the players. And when they came out, we were able to get all the players' autographs. Amazing experience. I was hooked as a Jazz fan from that day forward, and I was shocked how small Stockton was as well. That is from Jared Labram in Vernal, Utah. And the moral of the story is buy a fridge at R.C. Willie before you go to a Jazz game, and you'll have good things happen. And R.C. Willie, if you'd like to advertise on the program, you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. All right, let's get to our tip-off story of the day. Jeff McDonald, beat reporter for the San Antonio News Express. Uh, said that he uh, was talking, his exact tweet uh, was that they were all talking uh, around the uh, media table, who number two in the West was, and he was surprised how many people came up with the Utah Jazz. And so the question is, can the Jazz really be second in the West? Uh, I had shared earlier that the Jazz seemed to be everybody's pick for fourth uh, in the West. I, I'm not sure how I feel, uh, on any of these things. And I'm, I honestly, if I'm going to, and that's what I'm going to do, uh, be honest is I'm, I certainly don't think they could finish second. Uh, I'm going to walk through what 538 thinks and, and then use their data. Uh, but I also, am just going to give you this kind of simple thought. And that is, we're as I really love the depth of the team, I love the experience of the team, and I love um, the versatility of the roster. So everything that's been put together, I think, is is really really terrific. Uh, I mean, you've got happy birthday to Dante Axum, who's 21 today. You've got 30 year old George Hill. You've got the veterans and Joe Johnson, Dia. You've got the versatility and position. There, there's so many things I think are wonderful. Now, let me ask just the most rudimentary question about the Jazz. Do they have a number one guy? Same question we've always asked, but when you start looking at the top of the West, so obviously two of them are on the same team now, and Steph and Durant. And then you have Kawhi Leonard, who may or may not be Marcus Aldridge, who probably is, uh, particularly his ability to just get buckets. Chris Paul, who I, I don't think has slowed down, who still is. And then, then you kind of wonder... Does anybody else have one? And so, and then Gordon, as we've talked about a lot, is probably, and, and Damian Lillard is for Portland. And James Harden is for Houston. And Gordon's the next tier guy. Okay. So he's not <clears throat> top 10 in the NBA. 
we've done this a lot. He's probably close on the, you know, with a little step, he becomes top 20. Um, if you remember our list that we had, Curry, Leonard, LeBron, Durant, Westbrook, CP3, Draymond, James Harden, Blake Griffin, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns. I think that was 11. And then you get kind of into this next tier where I don't know what order you put all these guys in, and I have Hayward in this next tier where it's Marcus Gasol coming off the injury, Jimmy Butler, who has all these things, supposed to be a better player than Gordon. They didn't make the playoffs either. Paul George, Carmelo, John Wall, Damian Lillard, Gordon, Clay Thompson, Al Horford, Kyle Lowry, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, Paul Millsap, and LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, and so you have you know that top 11, and I have Carl Anthony Towns in there because it's just so obvious he's going to be there. And then you have this next... I think 14, and that's our top 25 players in the league. And, and that's probably, you know, Gordon's in that group. The The next question, so I'm not really actually that worried about Gordon. We're, he's, right? So that could still, who's our second best player? You know, when you, obviously the Warriors are on a different level, but if you take Kawhi and LaMarcus and you take, um, you know, suddenly the Thunder don't, they have Westbrook, who's a, probably bigger number one. I don't know who their number two is. And you have Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and D- Damian and probably CJ's a second at this point, at least scoring-wise he is. And Dallas doesn't really have that. Memphis has Mike Conley, who probably is the next tier. The Rockets don't really have that. So that's why you can start walking the Jazz up to this. But this is where I think the Jazz get interesting. And it's going to be, is their depth is really what makes them strong. Unless someone's going to step into that group of top three, 35 player in the NBA. I'm not sure favors is my most likely guy to get there, but I'm not sure the jazz have, and maybe Rudy, the next guy that gets, you know, if that's the top 23, do you have a top third, top 20 guy in Hayward? Do you have a top 30 guy? Do we have a top 40 guy? What we have is I think a bunch of top 50 guys, maybe four of them. If if you push Rodney up there, then do you have, a top 60 guy. Well, now probably some of these George Hill might even get into the mix here. And that's the depth of the team. But it, when you start trying to get into that elevated air, I think you have to have be a little more top-heavy than the Jazz are. What's interesting is Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins are probably there. Anthony Davis and, they don't, and Drew Holiday, if he's healthy, might get there. DeMarcus Cousins... With a good attitude, I don't know who else they would put in that group. Uh, but it's I, I feel like the Jazz are not top-heavy enough to be held into some of these conversations. Um, and that's that's my one concern. Now, let me – so that's just – you can debate that. That's Email me. Tell me I'm wrong. dlock09 at gmail.com. Feel free. Uh, there's an E on the lock. Make sure you get that right. Um, there's also an Ian jerk. So, you know, just make sure you get thumbs. Uh, not you, me. So if now let's go data. So what does 538 while we're in the midst of our euphoria, what does 538.com think of the jazz moves? So Lyles, they project as a win share five. Here's what 538 did. 538 did their Carmelo, um, projections is what they call it. And then they did their win over replacement uh, projection for every player. And 
So they take they look at Trey Lyles, who will be replacing Trevor Booker, who they had as a negative point six win replacement. So they had low replacement level and have him to a point five next year. I think that's low, but let's just stop with our own Homer opinions and my love affair with Trey Lyles and. Um, and they really don't see a huge like possibility of even for him to take a major jump this next year. Um, they see a little bit, but not a lot, which is interesting. Trevor Booker was a win was a win over replacement player lover for numerics. They they had him spiking last year at this three point one, and very very important uh, to what the Jazz were doing. They have him dipping considerably uh, after this, but they had him as a very very important player, and they have him uh, probably as one of the better signings in the league this year. So uh, they have Trey Lyles at .5 and Booker last year at 3.1. They see that as a 2.6 win downgrade. Boris Diaw, who at 34 years old, last year they had him at 2.5 win share. They have him falling off the cliff to 1.0 win share or wins above replacement player. Jeff Withy last year, who Diaw is really replacing, was a 1.3. So on those two bigs, they have the Jazz down 2.9 wins. Now, it's worth noting whenever we're talking about the Jazz, because the Jazz, this is really geeky stuff, but because the Jazz point differential was so good last year that when you naturally project the Jazz, they're projected as much higher. They had them as a 45-win team last year overall, and their win share or their replace their point differential was up in that category. So that's where the Jazz really started these conversations is as of about a 45-46 win team. Joe Johnson is replacing Joe Ingles. That's another one that 538 has as a drop. They have Joe Johnson with his age dropping down to a uh, win share of point or sorry, win over replacement level of point eight. They had him at just one point oh last year. And Joe Ingles they actually had as a one point four. So that Joe Ingles, who will probably be taken out of the rotation by Joe Johnson, that they have that as a point six drop. Alec Burks, who will be replacing Chris Johnson in the rotation, they have jumping to a point six after being negative last year. Uh and Chris Johnson was a point three, so that's a positive. So if you just look at the wing movement, uh, the bigs and wings uh, that exist there, they have the Jazz minus three wins on the moves of Lyles for Booker, Diaw for Withy, Johnson for Ingles, and Burks for Chris Johnson. So that has the Jazz as minus three wins from what they were last year. Now, that doesn't necessarily count... Um, the fact that Gobert and Favors were injured as much as they were. The point guard is where they see the world changing. Uh, George Hill is a 4.3 wins over replacement projection. Howell Neto, the starting point guard last year, was a negative 0.2. Dante Exum, with, who was obviously neg- uh, zero last year and negative his rookie year, they have him projecting uh, the 21-year-old Dante Exum. It's his birthday today. 0.6, and then growing after that. So Trey Burke was a zero last year. So the point guard suddenly is positive 5.1 wins. So that's really where they see the improvement 
is and so an overall two win improvement by the acquisitions and that would get the Jazz up to about 47 wins. Now I don't know if that's the fourth seed, but that's where they're talking about things from their 538 projections and why does it get them up to 47 because it has them starting around 45. What's interesting is the four core guys. So we've looked at Hill and X in the point guards, we've looked at the backup shooting guard in Burks, the backup wing in Joe Johnson, the backup four in Lyles, the backup five in Diaw. Um the win, the projections for uh, the Jazz players is Rodney Hood actually decreases his wins over replacement projection uh, next year, which I'm a little surprised by in his third year and would be curious to why that's the case. They actually have Rodney spiking in his career last year. Uh, projections regress to the mean. That might be part of it. Um, but they... What's interesting is they have his most similarity player on one level being Clay Thompson and his other similarity players being Terrence Ross, Calvert Cheney. So really a huge discrepancy between, you know, where he would, where he's going to go and, and what his trajectory is. So we may not know. Uh, Rodney is at 3.8 wins over replacement level. I, you know, the thing I talk about so much with Rodney is that he had more games when he was under nine than over 20, but that, to me, is an experience thing. That With another year of experience, he he largely rectifies. Um, and when he suddenly you know moves that bell curve of consistency, then he really becomes a little bit of a different player. Hopefully he starts going to lie a little bit more, and he shoots a little more consistently. All things that I think happen with age and experience and fatigue, and uh, uh, those are exciting things. I, I would, you know, I have a local rooting for it. I have a hard time believing his win share uh, goes down, but they have him going down from 3.8 to 3.2. Hayward they have dropping from 7.2, which is really high, to uh, 6.8. And you know what? That's probably realistic uh, because Gordon's just been on such an elevated level the last two years, 7.8 and 7.2. They have him comped out as Chris Mullen and Brandon Roy and Michael Finley. Um, and most recently, uh, along with Rudy Gay, actually. So they have him sliding a little bit, really staying kind of together, but uh, sliding a tiny bit. Where they have improvement is Derek Favors from 5.5 to 5.7 and Rudy Gobert from 6.1 to 7.2. So that has the Jazz as just kind of a plus .3, almost the same. And so now you have the Jazz at 47, according to 538, probably 47 or 48 wins. And the question then becomes, Does is that... Uh, good enough to get you the second seed. It's interesting. Uh, so that was the discussion. I thought I'd walk down it both kind of in my mind, which is I, I have a hard time with the Jazz being second. The fourth, it can make some sense. But then, you know, top, the, the Blazers are probably better top-heavy. Um, I think the Grizzlies, depending on where Gasol is, is probably better top-heavy. The Rockets may be a little better top-heavy. The Pelicans and Timberwolves are better top-heavy. And I wonder whether the Jazz have the depth. And what this is, this is kind of a mixed bag of talking about that depth because uh, from 538 standpoint. But the one thing I do think it all goes back to uh, is that the Jazz point guard position that they have somehow survived with for the last years has just been... Uh, stunningly bad, and that's where you can get excited about the projection of them going into the new uh, season. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Devin Cash. Uh, we've had a bunch of our uh, locked-on jazz people use Devin Cash uh, uh, as a 
uh, realtor and had and really good experiences with him. I've gotten some tweets. So if you're a first time home buyer, Devin really loves walking you through the process, helping you. You're not going to deal with receptionists or coordinators or secretaries. Devin's passion is to approach real estate with the heart of a teacher and and walk you through the process. Make sure you understand everything that's going on. It's really confusing if you've if you've never been through it before and you're, you're uncertain. It's not so much confusing. I think it's uncertainty. The level of entry seems a bit daunting. And Devin's going to take you through that very calmly uh, with no push and, and help you out. You know, time, right now is a good time to buy. Rates are historically low, and you can probably find yourself a nice house for a nice price, hopefully without a lot of burden, and Devin's going to help you uh, through that process. Give him a call at 801-759-1495. That's 801-759-1495. Two free jazz season tickets when you buy or sell your home with Devin. Certain restrictions do apply. Now, if you already have a home and you're considering selling, then – what? because – the market's bubbling right now. Call Devin at 801-759-1495 and have him do a market analysis of your house so that you know what you're playing with. I think I've shared the story that we had a house in Bremerton, Washington, and our realtor just either lied to us or or did a terrible job of that market analysis, and it was a crusher. I mean, we lost just huge amounts of money because, honestly, if you go in the home buying process and you've – you, you've started the process. It's such an emotionally difficult thing to stop. So get the data beforehand. Have Devin Cash uh, do that work for you at 801-759-1495. Know what you're going into and then make your decisions rather than what we did, which is by the time we were in the process and realized that we weren't going to be um, – we were $100,000 short of what we thought we were going to be on our house. It was terrible. And uh, But by that point, you're, dis- you're de-invested and emotionally and – it's hard to walk it back the other way. It's just, and probably made a bunch of wrong decisions, but they were all led by a realtor giving us the wrong decisions to start. So make sure you use someone like Devin and don't have that experience. 801-759-1495 for Devin Cash Equity Real Estate. So the NBA yesterday changed the hacker rules. They say it's going to take away 45%. I'm a little skeptical of this. Uh, What they've decided to do is... uh, one is the same rules that apply to the final two minutes of the game will now apply to the final two minutes of course. What I really actually I don't like on that is I like the fouling intentionally go get two for one. I think it's a smart play, and if you can execute your offense correctly, you deserve the bonus. Um, so that's kind of a bummer because uh, I actually don't mind that aspect of the rule. Um the so that that's the first thing they're going to do is they're taking away the final two minutes so that then you know these guys can come back in and play. Um, Mark Cuban's quote: uh, "Rewarding incompetence is never a good business strategy." He might be still bitter with DeAndre Jordan. I do think it's boring, but there's nothing here that I think has changed the game to uh, with four minutes left in a quarter. Now, if you jump on a guy's back and do those free throw type fouls late in games, that'll become a flagrant. Uh, but um, that's there's nothing here that I think with four minutes that I understand the way I've read it that with four minutes left in the quarter, DeAndre Jordan's in the game, you foul him. The only thing then is that it just forces Doc Rivers to take him out of the game. 
Um, on an inbound situation, any defensive foul occurs that before the inbounder releases the ball will be whistled in the same fashion as an away from the play foul committed during the last two minutes. The other one that they don't really address is what Terry Stott started doing, which is running their defender into the pick setter in the final two minutes in a way that was illegal, so that's a foul called, and then the pick setter, who's DeAndre Jordan, has to go to the free throw line. So I'm a little dubious on believing that 45% of the incidents away from the ball fouls right now uh, will really go away. I think that's uh, unlikely at best. Um, I, I also... I'm not one who was a totally hat. This had to change, um, but let me make sure I understand, clarify something. I got it's boring, and we're in the entertainment business. So Evan Tur, there's two free agent signings I don't get. One is Evan Turner to the Blazers. They signed a four-year, seventy million dollar deal, and they got him for his ball handling. I talked to a bunch of people. They felt they needed another ball handler. That when CJ and Damien are off the floor. Uh, you could take the ball out of their hands and nobody else could make plays. Well, Turner initiated Boston's offense a ton last year. He had the ball in his hands 24% of the time when he was on the court. That's the same as Dwayne Wade and Giannis Adetokounmpo. So that's, I mean, that's a high level for a wing. So he's basically a 6'7 point guard. He had an assist on 26% of the offensive possessions when he's on the floor. Only behind Draymond Green and Andre Gudala for non-guards. Um, and his passes led to points at the 10th highest rate among non-guards. Okay, that's great, but anytime Evan Tur- – and so that is his strength, and that for that reason, Portland's right. But let me say this. Every time the ball's not in his – is his, in his hands, it's not in Damien's and it's not in C.J. McCollum's hands. And maybe they felt the need to take the burden off it, but as an opposing team, I'm going to be happy every single time – that he has the ball in his hands instead of one of the those primary guys. So I, I'm not sure I get seventy million in that signing. Uh, the other one I don't get is Mo Spates. So the Clippers are obviously they just need depth and they they need players. And last year they had JJ Redick, DeAndre Jordan, and Chris Paul all over one pack. It was some of the best in the league. And then everybody was negative. Mba Mute, Austin Rivers, C.J. Wilcox, Jamal Crawford, Wesley Johnson, Paul Pierce, who says he's coming back, Jeff Green. And so they're going to get Mo Spates. And they'll, they'll miss Cole Aldridge. Mo Spates is just an incredible shooter. So all he does is shoot, but all he does is shoot mid-range shots. And he shoots 43%. He shot... 10, 11% of his shots from three that were 39%. Maybe you think that's really going to develop. But Mo Spates was a negative .5 pack player last year. He looked good because he did it with the Warriors, and the Warriors were good enough to overcome it. And so it didn't seem that outlandish. But f- frankly, like Mo Spates used more possessions while on the f- per minute on the floor than Clay Thompson last year. Mo Spates took... 24 scoring opportunities per 40 minutes on the floor. It's one of the highest rates of anyone in the league. Uh, and I, I, I'm not sure I want – I don't get that appeal. Um, you know, it, honestly, it was kind of cute and worked, but only J.J. Redick, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry – used more scoring opportunities per 40 minutes 
Um, and actually, J.J. Redick is is a mistake there. Um, so uh, let me try that again. All right, let me let me ref- that that number was wrong. Uh, that did not sort correctly. Demarcus Cousins, Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, James Harden, Michael Beasley, Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and Isaiah Thomas used more scoring opportunities per 40 minutes than most spates. But most spates is 10th in the league in scoring opportunities per 40 minutes. Off, Like, I don't want that. More than Le- Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Paul George, DeMar DeRozan, Blake Griffin, Carmelo Anthony, Kyrie Irving, Reggie Jackson, who's too high also. The only negative pack players in the top 20 usage of possession of scoring opportunities were Reggie Jackson of Detroit, Carmelo Anthony of the Knicks, Dwayne Wade, and Mo Spates, and Kobe Bryant, and DeMarcus Cousins. Otherwise, they're all positive pack players. Worth noting, DeMarcus Cousins below 500, Kobe Bryant below 500, uh, Dwayne Wade and Miami were above 500, uh, but scuffled. Carmelo Anthony, Knicks below 500. Reggie Jackson right at 500. Your your lead dog is high volume, low usage. Now, Spates isn't on the floor for as long, so he doesn't have an impact. And it's hard to win. Drew Holiday, below 500. Um, Nikolai Vukovic, below 500. Jalil Okafor, below 500. John Wall, below 500. Derek Rose, below 500. Dennis Schroeder, we'll see what happens there. So of the guys that are in the top 30 usage rate, only Dwayne Wade, or scoring opportunity rate, that is negative in the primary scorer that's below average, it makes it hard. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks to Devin Cash and Equity Real Estate for sponsoring today's edition. Call Devin at 801-759-1495. And make sure you give us five stars. Uh, and if you have time to write a little review, that really matters. I, I am so thankful. I do check these. I'm so thankful for everyone who has done this. This is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.